And I was like, I didn't understand that money, you know, like when I was young, I understood how to save, but I didn't understand, oh, you get assets, those produce income. Now you have more money, you buy more assets. That's this flywheel effect like we talk about, right? But if you expand it out, then you have what you also have these social resources, right? These relationships, your brand that you're building and those things, those also in a company that's marketing and sales, right? You need that to be productive. But in our families, we've kind of ignored that, right? We're like, well, I'm going to work and my wife's going to work. Well, who's going to invest in the relationships in the community, in with the kids, with each other? Are we going to have enough time for that? No, we're going to be too busy working. And then you go, well, now we have lots of money and now we're divorced and our kids hate us, right? That's that's where you, you want to expand the model. So you're looking at social resources and financial resources, and then what I call human resources, those three categories and balancing them. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we're speaking with Aaron Shelley. He is an author. The book is called The Family Flywheel. He is an entrepreneur, also an executive. Aaron, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little more about you, please. My name's Aaron Shelley. I was a I did a mechanical engineering undergraduate degree, then got frustrated with the business people. So I decided to do a <clears throat> business degree as well. And then I've kind of been working in technology. I've built a lot of things. I use just anything's my tool pretty much, you know. So I I've built apps, I've done operations. Um then I kind of ended up writing this book uh, just by happenstance. And so that's kind of this, whatever I can have the impact in, that's kind of what I direct my efforts towards. It's a very interesting concept. And the book is fascinating so far. I haven't read all of it yet, but it, it keeps you going and it makes you want to know a little bit more. That's for sure. So Tell us how and why this book came about. So <clears throat> I was, at one point, I had worked at Ancestry.com. If you're familiar with them, you do all the genealogy stuff. <clears throat> then I had left them, had gone to a startup in genealogy. We had $11 million in three years, and we couldn't make everything work out. So we kind of were done. But because of the circumstances I had flexibility in what job I wanted to do and my mom said hey there's this guy at a university he's doing research on entrepreneurship levels and family structures because he's done a lot of research in you know family business that type of stuff <clears throat> so I asked so I said okay I'll do research there that sounds interesting he was a good guy 
So I started to do research, collecting stories um, with different people who'd been through different family structures. You know, some of them had been in, you know, they'd been married, then they were divorced. Some of them were same sex. There's a lot of just all sorts of varieties because that's what we were trying to see is, is there any correlation between family structure and some of the business success stuff? Well, in the course of that, I looked at this and said, hey, there's this model here. If you look at it this way, instead of the way you kind of he had talked about in the book, this would be a great way to look at it and think about it because it makes so much sense for business people. And he goes, yeah, that's your book, not my book. And I was like, well, I didn't want to write a book. You're the one who wanted to write the book. So I kind of worked on that. And then I jumped into another company for the last four years where we started with about 20 people. I was there for about four years and we had 180 people when I left and we had $54 million in private equity that came in. So I worked there a year and now I've stepped back and now I'm like, well, what do I want to have an impact? And I think the family and knowing how to build a successful family seems like it's something in our society that's significantly at risk and people are struggling at it. So that's really where for me as an engineer, I like to take things apart and go like, do I understand the fundamentals? And if you understand the fundamentals, for instance, about friction and air and all that stuff, I can make an airplane. And that's the same thing. I think if people understand the fundamental laws of the family, then they can actually make a, a family that's actually quite wealthy and happy and successful on the, the different metrics that I want to, that I focus on. So before we carry on there, what is your definition of success? My definition of a successful family, kind of like a business, is it something that is generating the resources you need to continue to exist, right? On a very basic level, if you're not having any revenue in your business, you're not staying in business very long. And then secondarily, are you producing the results you want, right? I mean, that's what's a very, I don't want to be, my book is not intended to be the, here's, a, here's, you know, here's how to be a family, according to Aaron. It's much more of a scientific, you know, like a, Hey, here's all the different Lego pieces to put together to create a successful family. So yeah, it's it's really can it continue to exist, and can it hit the uh, objectives that it's trying to achieve? Yeah, I, I actually enjoy the concept of the flywheel. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, a flywheel that that keeps things moving smoothly, and it, it adds a little inertia to help it run more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So that, that concept alone grabbed my attention. It's like, that makes sense. Uh, you even bring out right up front that, you know, running a family as a business, it's not meant to be cold hearted like a business is usually ran mm -hmm. so explain to us what that actually is because that's what a lot of people they'll automatically say well running a family like a business that's cold and you you need to be pliable and flexible explain to us what you mean by that please well yeah i mean you want to i think there's some businesses I mean, as a counter argument to my, the own argument I made in the book, there's some businesses that are actually very warm, you know, and, and are run really well. Right. And people feel like they're part of it. It's really just a lot of people, you know, when you get to these massive corporations like Walmart with a million employees, you're like, okay, can everyone feel this certain way? You know, there's kind of some, 
realities there. So to me, it's really what culture do you want in your business or your family? Because if you create a business with a feeling of, hey, we're all family here, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have a big downturn, well, you usually don't fire family. So <laughs> how do you do that? Do you ask everyone to tighten their belt? Everyone takes a, you know, a reduction in salary, and you can do that. I've seen companies that have done that. And that's where you would really say, they're treating it more like a lot of people would treat their family. But it's really along the cultural side of where are you, what do you want your family to feel like? What do you want your business to feel like? And being intentional about that. So if you're sitting there like, I want my house, my family to be very loving and supportive, great. Then that's the culture you want. But then there's also a place where, <clears throat> I mean, I kind of look at it like it, there's two kind of sides. Like I want my family to be this protection for my children, or I want my my family to be this onboarding and uh, a challenging environment that helps prepare the children for life, right? So you'll kind of see these differences. Like, is it always going to be happy and nice? Well, just like in business, you can have great partners and yet you can still have big disagreements. And in the family, it's the same way. It's not this, well, we're always on the same page and I always defer to you or you always defer to me. It's no, let's have some fighting and co some conflict because that means we're engaged. We have different opinions and we need to work through those. So I think a lot of people look at business and they go, well, it's so heartless. But then the business is like, well, we're here to make money. That's the job. And we don't want to try to be a family because there's hard decisions and there's demands that we're making. So it's really trying to be intentional. If we're trying to create the culture of a loving, supportive family, what does that look like? What are the values that are a part of that? And then how do we live those values out? How do those get manifest? Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. Uh this is actually one of the great things that has came across my desk here is how you put this out and together. You, you've got the book and then you've got resource materials to actually help you formulate your plan. And that's unique. Uh, tell us about how that came about and why you felt that you needed the resources to go along with the story. Yeah, for me, because I've worked so deeply in business, and I mean, I, I honestly love business, I love understanding how stuff works. And therefore, I'm just mm -hmm. going to spend a lot of time going over it, you know, like, how do all these little pieces work? And so when someone will say, well, how does dating apply to this? I'm like, oh, this is so easy. It's like hiring people, right? But most people don't think like I do, and they don't have that depth of the business and the family research. So really what I'm trying to do in some of the resources is help people, A, understand the big picture, right? I mean, that should, that's early on in the book where I'm talking about the business system and how it works and how the basic flywheel system works. But then I'm trying to go into how do you identify it and how do we get to a step-by-step -step place so you can say, what is my family culture? Because, or, and, and I mean, even on the strategy, so the three parts of the business model, the strategy, structure, and culture, the main part of the strategy is what is my purpose in this life? What is my purpose and mission that I feel like I'm trying to accomplish? And this is not a trivial question, right? Even in business, when I worked at Ancestry, we had a, a mission statement that we went through a few versions, but the one that I remember was called, you know, we connect families across distance and time. And I was like, that is a compelling mission statement that I can get on board with because that's what we're here and that's why we're here. So in a fam for an individual, 
It's, well, what are you here for? What do you feel like your purpose is? And that can change over time. It certainly has for me. You know, as you go through, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then obstacles, you know, things come in the way, you overcome them, or you go different directions. But then when you get in a family, you say, well, here's what I'm about. And here's what my wife's about. But what are we about now? Now it has to become bigger. And why are we together? And so getting that united purpose and united culture and united structure, that is complicated. And it's not just an easy thing like, well, what should I be thinking about? And that's where the forms and the, the different resources I have are there to help you walk through that and be like, well, what do you mean culture? Well, what, what are values? Okay, what values do you have? Well, I don't know, what does that even mean? So I have a list of values there on, on some of those slides. And it's, oh, okay, yeah, that one resonates. I'm more about freedom and adventure. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting, right? So that's where I think there's a point where you're looking at the holistic, how do I put together a business model? And I, I just thought for most people, it's gonna be difficult. So if I build these resources, they will be able to do it. And then I have a separate place where I talk about your, your resources, not just the business model, but here's all the resources you have. Because I really think most people underestimate all of the support that is available to them through their resources. They just don't look at them or understand them. I really think that this book is kind of modular and you can apply it to different aspects of your life and different situations and i found the a part here you you go over the structural challenges for late marriages this is important because in our day and age uh, it, it seems like the family and marriage is under attack and we kind of overlook the challenges that we face when we form relationship, especially later in life, because we're so set in our ways, and then you start combining those, you've got these challenges like you were just talking about. So how, how does one achieve this union when you come from such different paths and you expect certain things how does that harmony come in and fit well to me the thing is if if you if you owned a business ed and i owned a business we would sit and say okay do we want to merge this business and if i'm like hey i'm doing an author thing and you're like i'm doing a podcast thing Oh, maybe that would make sense if your podcast were focused on my book, right? Then we would say, oh, okay, that would make sense. But if I'm like, I'm a lawyer and you want to do a, you want to be an accountant. Well, what do we have to do here with business? Why would we get together? This doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I think there's a side where right now, most people are sitting on apps going, is this person hot or not? Oh, hot, pretty good. Oh, rich enough, whatever the criteria and they're not sitting there like a business person would if you were trying to hire someone. So to me, it's a question of, do people even know what they're trying to hire for? Are you saying, uh, I want to hire a wife who stays home with my kids, and I will provide the financial resources, she'll provide the social resources, and she'll invest in those type of things. And she'll also spend a lot of time training the children. 
And so I've seen that with a lot of uh, very successful women who I've consulted with. And they're like, I want to marry this super driven guy and who's going to be an executive. And then I'm like, what, well, you're an executive and you're super driven. And yeah, well, you want to have two kids. Wait a minute. Well, who's, who's going to stay home with the kids if they get sick? Who's going to do this? Well, I hadn't thought about that. And I'm also like, and then some of them will be like, well, he will. Well, I don't know super driven guys who want to be executives who want to stay home with the kids. And they're like, well, what? I hadn't thought about that. So some of it's just pure logistics. You know, like, have you really thought about what job you want to do and what job you want your husband to do? And then finding and looking for that type of person, because a lot of them are like, I want to find someone like me. You don't want to do that in a business. You want to hire someone. If I have a sales background, I want to hire someone in product so they can make the thing and then I'll sell it. So you're looking for complementary stuff. So I think up front, there's a place where people are getting married, but they haven't really thought through why are we getting married? What's the purpose of this merger? Are we trying to, yeah. do we have common goals that we're going to achieve better? Or are we just, hey, you're hot and I want, I'm interested in you. You know, that, that seems like yeah. If we if we hired for our companies, that would we would have the same problems that way. And so I just think it's how can we that's why I say as soon as we apply the business principle, you're hiring a spouse into your corporation, or you're merging a corporation, you start looking at it slightly differently. It's not like you want to you want it to be super heartless. You want to be like, am I attracted to this person? Are we going to be good? You know, work together? Do we have good conflict skills? Do we have similar cultures? Like that's the place where is if you look at their business model, their structure, strategy, and culture, and you look at yours, then you can look across and be like, Ooh, I see a conflict here. Like you like to really spend money and like you make it and then you spend it. Well, I'm one of these. I want to build an empire. How are we going to make this work? Right. And if you yeah. like, well, we're not going to, I just want to spend your money. I'll have more to spend. You're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're out. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of just trying to figure out the base logistics of what jobs are both of you going to do what's the together goal that you're both engaged in? And then if you get together for that, then I think you'll have a much better chance of success. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, it's the seven P principle, basically. Proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. And mm -hmm. if we applied that principle to our life, our business, our marriage, it would be a lot easier on us. But we, we tend not to think deep before we act. And I think this, this system here helps you dive into those uh, granular aspects of life where a lot of people, they don't think. And I lived it for many, many years. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, my, my wife and I, we struggled because we didn't have a plan. We, we didn't plan for anything it's we got money we want to do this we do it and then oh you know so every aspect of your life should be planned out even if the plan doesn't pan out the way you see it and that mm -hmm. that business plan or business model that actually helps you in many ways in business so i i really i I don't see why we want to apply that thought to our own personal lives. It's just crazy 
crazy. Uh, well, anything special in the book that our listeners need to know about that um, is going to actually help initiate change? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that a lot of us are looking at and not understanding is I, I focused on money. If you know the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, one of my favorite books, his game Cash Flow, Great had a guy. huge impact on me, right? But what he does, he talks about how money works. And I was like, I didn't understand that money, you know, like when I was young, I understood how to save, but I didn't understand, oh, you get assets, those produce income. Now you have more money, you buy more assets. That's this flywheel effect, like we talk about, right? But if you expand it out, then you have what you also have these social resources, right? These relationships, your brand that you're building, and those things, those also in a company that's marketing and sales, right? You need that to be productive. But in our families, we've kind of ignored that, right? We're like, well, I'm going to work and my wife's going to work. Well, who's going to invest in the relationships in the community, in with the kids, with each other? Are we going to have enough time for that? No, we're going to be too busy working. And then you go, well, now we have lots of money and now we're divorced and our kids hate us, right? That's that's where you, you want to expand the model. So you're looking at social resources and financial resources, and then what I call human resources, those three categories and balancing them. And, and the example that I use in the book, which I think illustrates this well, is if you look at Bill Gates, his mother, Mary Gates, she was married to his dad, William Gates, and then he was a lawyer. And she was a teacher. Well, she taught for a little bit, then they had three kids, and she stopped teaching, right? Then she was investing in her children while they were young. Then when they got a little older, she started to do service in the community. She served on the board of the University of Washington, and then she served on the board of United Way. This was building up social connections. Well, her connection with the board of United Way happened to be with the CEO of IBM, who Bill Gates then connected with. And so then that was one of the pivotal relationships for I for Microsoft. So you could look at that relationship that she developed and say, how much was that worth to her family? I don't know, $100 billion? Right? So yeah. if she had gone and worked for her family, okay, I'm done with my kids. Now I'm going to go work for 30 40,000 or whatever it is, $30,000 a year as a teacher, she wouldn't have had as wealthy of a family. And that's where I think holistically, if we expand the version of what we're looking at, we'll optimize not only for financial resources, but we'll also optimize for social connections. So I think we'll be richer financially, richer with our social connections, and healthier and richer in our human resources as well. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, so a big one for me, because I lived it, and I understand that the value of education is huge. Mm -hmm. How does that play a role in this book? And how should we look at this in the flywheel effect? Well, yeah. So if we look at it, education is a resource, right? When I get an engineering degree, it now becomes a resource that I can then use to make more money if I work as an engineer or if I work as an MBA. So education is a resource, what I call the human resources, because it's updating your abilities. But then the other area that education affects, which is probably more important, is your business model, right? In that cultural element, what are your values and beliefs, right? Because if I, when I read about 
you know, Elon Musk and what he went through or different athletes, those type of things, or even some of the great books. There's one called Mindset, you know, Carol Dweck's book. It's really like, oh, here's how I can change my thinking, be more optimistic or adjust what I'm doing. And then your beliefs and values may change slightly to become more successful, right? If you look at it and go, oh, here's what Michael Jordan did, or here's what these people did. That's how they got where they want. What commonalities do I see? I'm going to adopt those into my culture and then pass them on to my children, right? So that's one of the things that I think a lot of people often neglect too, is wealth is generational, but it's not generational in the, hey, I made a, a lot of money and then I gave it to my kids. Most of the time, if you do that, all of the finance, the wealth advisors I've talked with, they're like, the first generation makes the money, second generation maintains it, third generation wastes it, right? That's usually the pattern because they're not actually giving people, their kids, the business model. They're only giving their kids the resources, right? And this is, there's a story of a woman in, in the book where there was a woman at 18, she was given $20 million because her dad passed away and his insurance paid out $20 million to all of his, I think, five kids and $100 million to his wife. Well, this 18-year-old girl, she doesn't know what to do with that $20 million. And so over the course of the next 10 or 15 years, you know, she got married and divorced five times. She bought and sold companies, but she didn't know how to do it, run them. So that's where you look at that going, well, she had all the resources and everyone would have said like, oh, I wish I was that wealthy. And we see the same thing that happens with lottery winners, but the wealth is not the engine, right? It's like, here, I'll give you the car without the engine. Well, <laughs> that's useless. The engine's the most important yeah. part. And that's where I think most parents need to focus and grandparents as well, focus on developing a good engine that's going to create wealth. I think that the mantra should be, I want to be a wealth generator more than I want to be rich, right? Because the generation of wealth it doesn't matter yes. if I took away Bill Gates money, I'm pretty sure he'd be wealthy shortly because of his beliefs, his relationships and his other stuff. So that's where it's like, you need to have a good business model, the good engine, and you need to be pushing that engine with your children, not so much focus, like I'm going to work harder so that I can pass on more wealth to my kids. Because if you do that, you will most likely destroy your kids and make them unhappy. Yeah. And you know, it also takes good surroundings in the people and the places that we want to be. So I've noticed that is a big game changer. And it's hard for people to initiate the change and break away from old habits to get to that better lifestyle. Do you have anything on that for us? where it makes it easier to get away from the bad and start initiating the good in your life. Yeah, I think a lot of it to your point, there's a learning element. Are you reading books? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, Sean Covey's got a book or Stephen Covey's got his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Like if you're on the self-improvement path, what you'll find is over time, a lot of those negative people, they'll, they'll kind of just stagnate and you'll be like, I need to go get other people. So a lot of it's, who are you hanging out with? And this is the flywheel effect in the social. If you go 
work and, and work and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Sometimes you're going to have some of your friends be like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go do something cool. And other times you'll be like, no, let's go drink. Let's go. Let's go waste our time. And then you go, OK, I'm going to go do it with those those good people. And then when you get into the good people, they're going to introduce you to more good people. Right. I mean, I'm not going to introduce any I'm not going to give a recommend for somebody I've never met to one of my important social connections. Right. And that's where we don't look at those social connections that we have. We don't know how to value them, just like a brand, you know, like the brand Nike. How much is it worth? No one really knows. Right. And they put it on the balance sheet as goodwill because they can't say what it's worth. And it's the same thing in your own relationship. It's like, how much are your relationships and all the people you know worth? And and and, and frankly, if you look at most of them, as soon as you say, I'm gonna go write a book. You're going to have a lot of people, as soon as you set a goal, a lot of the good friends, they'll be like, oh, I know a guy. Oh, oh, I can help you here. Oh, I did that already. So you're going to have all these people align around you once you have purpose. That's why getting your purpose is so important, because as soon as you get it, everyone goes, oh, you're going somewhere? I'll help. But if, you know, if you're successful, then you have someone come up and they're like, so Ed, I just want money. How do I get money? And you're like, dude. I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> you know, like go find yeah, someone, yeah. go help someone, go do something, find a bigger purpose than selfishness, and then we can talk. But if I'm trying to Big tell changer. you, hey, like, am I right? You are. So that's right. so so that's I think a big part is like, what what are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to serve? And then all of a sudden a lot of people will align around you. And all the selfish people who are like, well, how am I going to get money out of this? You're not. We're helping other people. We'll we'll make it once we help a lot of people. And they'll go, well, it's not interesting. Cool. And then you'll be able to separate the people who are just in it for them and the people who are in it for the group and for the family. I think that's the best bit bit of advice out of this conversation is knowing that. If you stick around those people that just want you for what you have instead of want to help you get where you need to be. That's life changing. And there are those people that don't want anything from you, but you're good and helping others. It's a life changer. Uh, And when I finally learned to give instead of take that, that, is immense i i i have too much stuff now and it's like you can't shut it off and people need to finally get that what you just said is find a purpose and help somebody and everything you need comes from that it's it's a great principle Yeah, well, and that's the thing is, I think there is a dearth of leadership, especially, it just feels like so many people are like, hey, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And then as soon as someone decides to do something, quite often, a lot of people are like, well, I want to do that too. That sounds cool, right? So it's just a dearth of people. And some of it could be the school system, who knows, where it's just like, well, you tell me what to do first, and then I'll do it. And then I'll turn it in and you give me a grade. Well, that's not how life works, right? It's yeah. It's what are you going to go do? Go try to help people go try to serve. And when you do that, then you're going to find all these people like, oh, man, this guy's serving me great. That's how you and and service is one of the best ways to build up social connections. 
I mean, I was just reading a book. I can't remember what it, it's about this great marketer. And he said, how do I, his whole book is about how do I understand someone else's pain and then help them solve it, right? It's it's just so basic. How do I do that? And that's where you see this, like, it's so contrary because a lot of people are like, I'm working only so I get money. Well, if you do that, life's not going to be fulfilling. (laughs) I mean, and you look at every job has some very negative parts. I mean, at one point I worked at a family camp and I was cleaning toilets and washing dishes, right? You know, so it's like, there's always these jobs, but for me, it was like, well, this is aligned. I'm going to go to college. Then I'm going to do my get married. Here's my degree. So it was all aligned with aligned with my purpose. So even though objectively it was very crappy work, but for me, it was fulfilling because it was fulfilling my purpose and my mission. That's right a good solid foundation that you can build on. That's what matters. You know, a really good thing I like to say, it's hanging on my wall, Gandhi, uh, be the change in the world that you want to see. And if we could get that mentality and start living the way we want the world to be, that takes a lot of stressor out of your life. And uh, I don't worry about the Facebook and the Twitter and all the arguments going on. I, I look for the people that are changing the world. And that's through conversation, you know, looking for ways to make change. And that's really what your book is about, is making change where it counts at the family level because if we don't get it at the family level we've already lost because the world revolves around the family and i really think we forgot that and we just ignore the family we overlook the family and our life is too busy for the family yeah, well, and that's, I, I think you're right. I, I was watching a, a video just recently on this guy who interviewed people who are homeless in LA. And he says, okay, so these guys are all homeless. Well, if you give them a home, well, then they still have a drug problem. And then you fix the drug that's problem. Right. Well, then they still have mental trauma. Well, then you fix, then you, then he's like, but how do you fix the mental issues? Where did those come from? Those came from the family. And he's like, you can't, <laughs> there's these underlying things. And he's like, he was a little pessimistic, which I tend to be more optimistic, but he was like, I'm not sure if you can fix it or help them. Right. Some of this trauma is so deep seated. And these people are, you know, 20 and 30 years of living in this with some very bad mental programming. Can, is that actually able to be overcome? And that's where I see it. Where our families are like these pillars of our society. And we have society as this Coliseum sitting on top. But as we lose pillars, that coliseum in our society is going to collapse and potentially cause big problems for all of us. So for me, it's like if we start with our families and then we say, hey, I have a strong family and we're contributing in society and we are you know, building strong children as well, then that can propagate. But I see right now where we have a lot of I don't know how to be married. If, if you were raised in a family with only with only one parent, it's really hard to do the whole partner negotiation because you've never seen it. You know, is it okay to argue and fight with your partner? Or does that mean it's the end of a conversation? Like, how do you do that effectively? There's so many skills that 
are not there. And so you got to go, how do I gain those skills and how do I work through those? And, you know, in school, we don't teach family, how to have families, family structure. You know, it's all focused on being productive, which is that financial side, but it's not focused on how do we have successful families and how do we work with each other and go through some of the painful parts? You know, it's like, I've, I've made some very painful financial decisions, one during the real estate drop that cost me a quarter of a million dollars. And I was very put out with myself <laughs> and I jeopardized my family stability. But then my, my dad came in, he talked with me and my mom. And then my wife was like, Hey, we'll get through it. And so it's this like, and I kind of wonder in retrospect, if I had been out there without my family, without my parents, without a good wife, if I may not just have been like, screw this, I'm out. You know, I'm sick of this life. It's too yeah. painful. And that's the stuff where I see people like, well, you need these social connections. You need these people. The social connections will help you with mental health because <clears throat> we all that's have right. problems. We all go through crap in life, right? Especially, yep. I mean, I've been through what I call the three hells when I was unemployed for an extended amount of time and had four kids and a mortgage. Another time when I lost that money. And then another time when the IRS was auditing me. Right. And I was just like, these are not fun, but because I had support and I had connections with the right people, I was like, they helped me get through it. And it wasn't necessarily even a financial issue. It was just the mental stress of what could happen and how's it going to work and all those type of things. So yeah, that's kind of where I look at this. If we look, if we have strong families, then we can our next generation will have strong grandparents that'll right. that'll act as a social safety net. And if we have, and then uh, we'll, we could have siblings that are also, so, you know, social safety netting and serving our, each other. So that's where I see this expansion and why I think families are so important. Yeah. And another issue that I see a lot is people don't want to be truthful because they're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. And that could be the furthest from the truth. Uh, you need truth. To be aware and if somebody's not aware there's not a path to change so we really need to open up and forgive before we start some of those conversations with family because we don't get to choose our family but we do need to care about them and understand where they are in life it's their choice but you know, you're always family. It's one of the big things people don't get. I had an opportunity to help retool and fit Beaner Block in Utah. And it was going to pay me well. And I needed a week to help move my family down to Sandy, Utah. And I said, well, I'll be here first thing Monday morning. Is that all right? And no, I need you to start today. Well, I need my family taken care of before I can do anything. And I turned that job down. It was probably one of the best jobs I was ever offered, but I walked away because I cared more about family. And sometimes that's very hard to do. 
and people need to find that within them and understand the value behind family. I, I really like what you're doing, Aaron. Do you have a call to action for our people? Yeah, I have my website, thefamilyflywheel.com. If you go there, you can download the book resources. I'll give you kind of an overview. You can, it'll link you over to Amazon where you can buy the book. You can get it on, you can get the book on Audible or all those type of places. I think audiobooks, mostly audiobook places. And then if you'd like, you can email me at Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com or you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook at Aaron K. Shelley. I mean, I'm I'm really just in this to try to help people in any way that I can. I I want to really help families be more productive, more successful, because I'm on the of the belief if all of us are successful, it's going to make us a lot more successful as a society and as a country. And that's where it's going to we're all going to that's win right. in this game, right? This, there's not this is not a zero sum game. This is a we all win together or are we all lose together? That's right. And if we stick with it, it happens. Don't give up on life. Make life enjoyable. And that means tackling it, getting it done. Get her done. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Uh, it's a great talk when we talk things like this. It, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yep, it's been a pleasure for me. A lot of fun, Ed. I appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon wherever you may be.